today on It's Time. And I think sometimes when things are not in the Bible, it's as important when things are in the Bible. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of Galatians. So, turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. Well, I pray you brought your Bibles today. We're going to be looking at the book of Galatians as we continue looking at this book that was written around 50 AD, and yet so important in all of our understanding in our relationship with God. And uh, again, is it by our works or is it by what God did for us? Well, that's what this is really about. You're going to find one of the most unusual discussions that ever breaks out in the church in this particular chapter, because it centers around probably what we call an agape meal. And in the agape meal, this is where the Christians would come together. Everybody would bring something. We'd call it kind of like a potluck. And they would come together and share many of the slaves. This was probably the best meal they got the entire week. And so it was a time of fellowship. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Before we read this morning, let's pray. Father, as we go to your word, thank you that you have given us your word. We have a a foundation for what we believe in. Not thoughts or feelings or emotions, but Lord, your word. Jesus, you said we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so, God, we come to you now. Feed us, cause us to be steadfast in what we believe in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're going through this book of Galatians. Now, the, the book of Galatians is a group of churches that were scattered around modern-day Turkey, that area. Paul writes to them because what had happened is that Judaizers came in after Paul would preach a simple message of faith in Jesus Christ, and there would be Judaizers that would come in and say, Jesus didn't pay enough. You have to keep the law as well. Now, this creates a real problem because either we're saved by grace, what God's given us, we wrap ourselves in his righteousness, or we're saved by our works, our do-gooding, and all that kind of stuff. What's the problem with being saved by works? Well, the main one is this. On judgment day... If you didn't do enough works, you're not saved. And if you didn't do enough works, it's too late to do anything about it because you're already dead. So there's an issue. Now, on the other hand, being saved by grace, we go to heaven because God is good. We've wrapped ourselves in his righteousness. We all need to be righteous. You ever say somebody look at it? Well, that's righteous. Well, what's righteous is you in Christ. That's what makes the difference. So we look at this then. 
Paul is saying that he had been to Jerusalem. Then 14 later, years later, he went up again to Jerusalem. Verse 1 of chapter 2. With Barnabas and took Titus with him. Now, a couple of things that are important here. He went to Jerusalem after he'd been out ministering to the Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles, um, the Jews didn't even believe could be saved. They were low-life scum. And in fact, the half-breeds were even worse. You say, well, what's a half-breed? Well, that would be the Samaritans. Uh, In the Assyrian, when they'd start conquering countries, they would move groups of people from one area to another area and another area to another area, disorient them, you know, uh, cause them to not know the terrain. Uh, it, It kept rebellions down. And so they would move peoples around. Well, what happened in the northern 10 tribes of Israel? The Assyrian Empire moved a group of Gentiles into the area as well. They commingled and became known as the Samaritans. They were half-breeds, half-Jew, Jewish lineage blood, and half-Gentile because of the relocation. And so we remember that that's when Jesus, by the well, he said, woman, give me a drink. And she says, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me, a low-life scum Samaritan. She didn't say low-life scum, but I, it, it's in the Greek. No, not really. But it, 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 that's what he meant. He said, he said, if you knew who was asking you for a drink, you would, have, you would have asked for even more. Well, here's the point. They didn't have dealings with, with each other because they were part Gentile. Gentiles were the low-life Scum. Now talk about, you know, we talk about today uh, uh, the prejudices that are going on in our society around the world. This was some major prejudice. The Jews versus the Gentiles. They didn't even believe Gentiles could be saved. It wasn't until halfway through the book of Acts where Peter was praying and the Lord let down a sheet out of heaven. And it was filled with all kinds of unclean animals. You you know, you probably heard the word uh, Hebrew national hot dogs were kosher. Kosher means it met the dietary standards of the Old Testament law. Well, here's the problem. Gentiles would eat things that were unclean, that were forbidden under the Old Testament law to eat. Cloven hoof. In other words, uh, you couldn't eat uh, pigs. You, you couldn't eat shellfish, crab, and these kinds of things because they were considered unclean. But God let a sheet down out of heaven. Peter, in this vision, sees this. And God spoke to Peter, again, a Jewish boy raised uh, in the Jewish culture, one of the disciples of Jesus. And he sees this blanket let down, held by the four corners, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, not so, Lord. I have never eaten any creepy crawlies like that, and I don't intend on starting. Again, the blanket's let down. A voice, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now, I don't know what that looked like. Here's a blanket tied up, you know, like the stork would deliver the baby, you know, in the old pictures, you know. And here's a pig's head hanging out and, you know, a crab hanging out of the... It's probably pretty weird looking. 
And the second time God said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he said, not so, Lord. I, I always know this. If you're telling God not so, you're probably wrong. The third time, he said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. He said, not so. And he said, look, what I have cleansed, don't you call uncleansed. He goes, all right, I like bacon. No, anyway, so just a few hours later, there's somebody downstairs. And there's some guys there from Cornelius. He's part of the, the, the Roman army. And he says, I, I, my, our master has some questions for you. Would you come with us? And so he goes over to Cornelius' house, a Gentile. Now remember, this was really weird. He just got rebuked by the Lord. He saw something really weird, a blanket with pig's heads hanging out of it. And so God speaks to him and goes there and he shows up and he says, Cornelius says, I, we got some questions. And so tell us about all these things about God. And so Peter begins to share the gospel for the first time, Jew to Gentile, face to face. And in the middle of, I can just see them all nodding, saying, yes, this is what we need to hear. Uh, In other words, we don't want to worship these stupid gods of the the Grecians and the Romans. This is real. And by that time, the the message of Jesus raising from the dead had permeated throughout all the area. And, And so now Peter is explaining to these Gentiles how they can be saved. And right in the middle of Peter's sermon, the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles just as it did in Acts chapter 2 with the Jewish believing brethren that were gathered in the upper room. And I can just see Peter going, whoa, whoa, this is happening to Gentiles. This isn't supposed to happen to Gentiles. These people are pigs. They're unclean. And yet they're having the same experience that we Jewish people had in Acts chapter 2. And so then Peter goes back to Jerusalem and explains what happened. And the Jewish fathers came to the conclusion that Jesus was for Gentiles also. Now, I, I want to point something out here. These people that were so super spiritual, the, the apostles, the A-team, the apostles, apostles, they were there, and as they're gathered there, You're halfway through the book of Acts almost before they realize Jesus was for everyone. Now, isn't that amazing? So you think sometimes, why do I need to go to church? Why do I need to be around God's people? Why do I need to read the Bible? Because you're going to get an understanding. And the penny dropped and they understood Gentiles could be saved. And so they got together and they had to determine what they were going to do for the Gentiles. And they said, well, Since none of our fathers could live by the law, why do we make them live under the law as well? Because since we couldn't keep the law, why do we expect them to keep the law? And so they concluded disdain from sexual immorality, uh, things offered to idols, these kinds of things. But as far as all the law in the Old Testament they realized that Jesus paid it all. 
That's why Jesus on the cross said, Telestai, it is finished. It is the same Greek word that if you're painting a painting in those days and you put the last little dab of paint on the canvas, you would go, Telestai, it's done, it's finished. Well, that's what Jesus said concerning us. Now, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, for God so loved the world, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus does not mention there anything about keeping the law. He said, for God so loved the world, sent his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Now, we remember the thief on the cross. The Bible, interestingly, doesn't tell us whether the thief on the cross that was crucified alongside Jesus, either one of them, were either Jew or Gentile. It doesn't tell us. And I think sometimes when things are not in the Bible, it's as important when things are in the Bible because it doesn't say whether they were Jew or Gentile. Jesus simply looked at the thief on the cross that defended him and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, that's interesting because... There was no time to rehearse and go back under the law, add Jesus to it, and then somehow be right with God. The Gentiles didn't know anything about the Old Testament law. All they were doing was nodding their head while Peter is preaching, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit empowers them just as it did the Jews. Well, Peter then realizes Jews can, or Gentiles can be saved. They're not really under the law because the Holy Spirit fell on them not knowing anything about the law. You say, well, why is all that important? Because chapter 2 deals with amnesia. Wow. Verse 2. I went up by revelation. By the way, not by somebody telling him to. God just said, go. By the way, God will do that to you sometimes. Learn to listen to God's unctions. You say, what's that? Well, God sometimes will prompt you to call somebody. God sometimes will prompt you to go somewhere. God will sometimes prompt you to change lanes on the road. Now, I'm not saying we become mystical, but I am saying because we're Christians, we are hooked to the voice and the heart of God. God moves us around. I think every person probably in this room, if you're born again, you at one time or another have been divinely unctioned by God to do something, to move over, to call somebody. And I've had this happen to me, that I'll just have somebody on my heart. I go, why person? And you'll open your phone up and you'll go scrolling through your, your address and you'll see their name and you're going, okay. And so you call them on the phone. And you call them and they're crying. And you go, why are you crying? Oh, I just went through this thing. I can't believe you just called. And I'm going, ah! I didn't realize how God moves us around. Now, this is one of the parts of being a Christian. When you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, he puts his Holy Spirit into you and communicates, and through that Holy Spirit, refines us into what he wants us to be. And I've shared this many times. That's why in the Bible, you don't find a lot of psychobabble. You don't find motivational speaking that oftentimes indates the church today. 
What you find is being led by the Spirit of God who lives within you because when you invited Jesus Christ into your life, he came in via that Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is what convicts us of sin. That's important. So it isn't what I should be doing or shouldn't be doing. And I got to take all these courses to really learn how to do all this, you know, and get my priorities right. No, what God does is he convicts us. And that's really neat the way God does that. Well, anyway, he came by revelation, communicated to them the gospel, which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation. Now, so he goes to Jerusalem and he realizes he's got a mixed bag in Jerusalem. He's got a lot of people who believed in Jesus Christ that still were practicing a lot of the law in some way thinking that makes them better than somebody else. So Peter goes to those, or excuse me, Paul goes to those of reputation, probably the church fathers, privately, and begins to talk to them and reason with them, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Now what he's talking about here is, I've been out sharing the gospel with the Gentiles. I know here in Jerusalem, you've got a lot of people who believe in Jesus, but they also believe in keeping the meticulous parts of the law. Now this is where it becomes important, because from now on we're going to read about one of the most bizarro love feasts, agape meals, probably in the Bible. Now, if you want to fast forward, let's just fast forward real quick so we get the mentality of Paul in writing this. Verse 10 of chapter 3. Just go forward for a minute. And this is what he says. For as many as are of works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things that are written in the books of the law and do them. Verse 11, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God, for it is evident the just shall live by faith. So what he's saying here, the Bible sets a standard. Everybody has to live under the law. The thou shalt nots, all the command, all the things that were required. He said, you have to live by all of them. And if you violate one, you violated them all. Okay? Now, this is important. Because when I have people come to my door, and they tell me I have to worship on Saturday, I say, why? And they said, because that's in the law. And I'm going, but I'm not under the law. I'm in grace. Yeah, but if you really want to be saved more, you'll worship on Saturday and knock off the bacon. Well, what does the Bible say about that? If you've erred in one, you've erred in all. Every one of us, friends, everyone living today is held guilty and condemned under the law. The Old Testament law, the thou shalt nots, thou shalt, all those things, we are all guilty because it says you have to keep all or you're guilty of. We can't do that. That's why when Peter, when the Holy Spirit fell on the believers, the the Gentile believers, and he went back to Jerusalem to report what had happened, 
They said, well, since we could never keep the law, why do we want to put the Gentiles under the law? Now, you would think that would have been the rap. But the problem is, as we read on here, you're going to see how amnesia sets in. And what causes that is a lot of different things. I believe a lot of it is tradition, and I believe a lot of it is peer pressure. This is what we've all experienced in our, in our Christian life. You, you, you might be a Christian in school and, and, and you're, or at work and you're sitting there at the coffee break and somebody around the circle breaks out with a blue joke and, and everybody's laughing and all the people in the room are looking at you as a Christian. Are you laughing too? And we kind of you know, look down and we're trying to wish we were somewhere else. So he goes to those church fathers because he hadn't been there in 14 years and he goes to them privately to give them a report of how the Gentiles were being saved and all these things. But knowing that there was a mixed bag there of a group of people as well that believed you had to keep the law to be right with God. So this is what he means. I've been out running, sharing Jesus with everybody, lest I've ran in vain, believing that you have to keep the law. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, which would make him a Gentile, was compelled to be circumcised. Why? The Holy Spirit did not convict him that not being circumcised was wrong. Is there anything wrong with circumcision? No. Is there anything wrong with not being circumcised? No. This is what he's saying. But this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they may bring us into bondage. Into bondage means back under the law. You got to get out there and earn it by doing all kinds of spiritual things like wearing blue and, 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 and you know, reciting your mantra and feeling your beads and, and, and not eating pork. And oh, they had a whole list of stuff. Well, that's the problem. So, he goes on and he says, To whom we did not yield submission, even for an hour, but that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. He goes, listen, I didn't let these guys get away with this stuff. That Jesus didn't pay it all. You've got to have Jesus and the law. See, there's something weird within human beings, and I don't know what it is. But we, we notice it, especially in our, our little kids. They'll come and they'll go, Mommy, look what I did. And they're really proud of what they've done, and I think that's good. But what's really great about the gospel, we're saved not because of us, but because of what Jesus did for us. And that's why that's so important. You say, well, Mike, you know, why is this reading about so important today? Do you realize how many cults in the world reject what we're reading today? Because they say, well, in order to really be saved, you've got to keep the Sabbath. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. That's not what the Bible tells us here. And he says, I withstood him and I didn't yield to him, not even for an hour. I didn't let him get away with the lie. I pray none of you ever do either. If somebody comes to your door saying, well, you've got to keep the, the Sabbath. Jehovah's Witnesses or some of these people. I don't mean to mention names. Paul did, so we'll talk about that in a minute. But when they come and they do this to you, do you know how many people, weak 
Christians that don't know what they believe get sucked in by this stuff? Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.